everyone welcome back to our show today with me i have one of the top workforce management voices in the industry irina mateva irina is a thought leader within the industry from elevating operational efficiency resource planning as well as being people centric she's passionate about supporting people to achieve their best selves Join us as we uncover how to navigate workforce challenges from chaos to clarity. Let's go. Irina, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Andre. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. We finally got the time to speak. We've been trying to get in touch with each other for a long time to do this episode. So finally, we made it happen. Finally, and I'm so excited because I'm such a fan for such a long time. So very excited to have this conversation today. Mm -hmm. And and probably that's where I will start. So I think I think I, I can speak for you saying that we both have that passion for WFM, establish you on on our roles and what we are doing. So I would start there on your journey. So Irina, your journey in workforce management is being like I would say remarkable. So multiple things you can share for sure. But could you share what? kind of like ignited that passion uh, and what led to where we are today now establishing Right the Black Fam as your company? Yeah, absolutely. I always say that I stumbled on WFM by chance. And it feels like that's actually um, the situation for a lot of us that are working in resource planning. I was actually working at another job and I needed to change. So I was looking for maybe an interim solution. And that's how I ended up in a contact center working as a planner. And I must say that quite quickly, I fell absolutely in love with the complexity, with all of the different pieces that you need to merge together with the people aspect of it all. And I think you cannot agree, Andre, with me to say that it's not for everyone working in WFM, it's difficult. I feel like it's often you feel like you're being stuck between a rock and a hard place. So you either love it or you absolutely hate it. <laughs> but I there is always actually... pressure from every, like there is always someone putting pressure from one, one place. It's impossible to. Absolutely. Always. It's impossible to feel relaxed, I must say, but I think I feel great in chaos. Let me say that. Let's start there. So I fell absolutely in love working as a planner and seeing how often it goes absolutely wrong and how often WFM is misunderstood or even ignored. I just want to bring more awareness and to show how important it is to all of us as customers, as consumers, and to our business and our employees. And that's how I decided to finally go and create uh, right WFM, my own company. And let me make a quick pause here before you ask me my uh, your next question, actually. I'm so proud and so happy of everything you guys are doing. And thank you for actually being on the same mission and actually kicking off that mission for all of us to share more awareness of how important resource planning is. Thank, thank you for the kind words. And, and maybe it's the right place to say, so we, we have been in touch for, for a while, so it couldn't be more exciting as well for us to see how things are evolving on our side. And I probably, I will go on something you said you said like working with chaos and, and i think that's a, actually a very interesting saying because many people say that it's very chaotic to work with the blfm like too many variables and, and it's hard to sometimes to get just ourselves organized and you probably saw that across 
multiple companies, a bit everywhere in the in the globe because you have worked for multiple organizations in different locations as well and with teams in different locations as well. So what, what do you think that working in that chaotic environment can do for the organization? I have seen it so many times. I can't even count. The problem is that in a lot of organization, workforce management is kind of isolated from operations. Is that function that sits somewhere in the corner that it's not supposed to engage with anyone else. We just prepare our Excel spreadsheets. We just uh, execute the uh, planning and that's it. And this is where it goes chaotic and it goes really, really wrong. And for me, I always say one thing, if you do not um, give a strategic place to the WFM function and you don't invite them to the table for decision-making, you're wasting money as an organization. First of all, you're not empowering your resource planning team to make uh, operational improvements. So you're wasting money on your staff personnel end, and then you're wasting money with actually asking your resource planners to do administrative job. A lot of people think that uh, planning is actually just a support function. I always argue that it's more strategic than a support function. And that's how chaos, chaos is being created. But it's always interesting and exciting to actually educate companies and to show them how a single decision and a single mistake on our end mm -hmm. can cause so many issues for yeah, the business. I, I agree. And, and I liked what you said, because that perspective uh, is actually something that I see when people are, you mentioned in the beginning, so you kind of stumbled upon the WFM. What I see is that many times when people start, they, they lack that perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. of like those ripple effects and, and and I think that's part of the growth so when we think about chaos is a lot about learn failures and, and things that move around sometimes really fast but that's probably the best way to grow is like being exposed to environments where there is not not being super stable also brings that perspective of continuous growth as individuals I don't know what you think about it but that's at least the way I would capture some of the things you said I would absolutely agree with you on this one. And I have mixed feelings. My personality is better suited to being thrown into the deep. That's how I learn the best way. So I like that challenge. On the other hand, it can be quite stressful. And everywhere I went, I see that there is not a structured WFM training. So you have to learn the hard way. But whilst you're learning and maybe you get the best results eventually, during your journey, this is a cause for a lot of issues in your organization. Yeah. And it's impacting the business. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's impacting the business. It's impacting the employees. So it is always a struggle. And I don't know whether you have witnessed the same thing, but one of the things that really, really bothers me in organization is that somehow the joint opinion is that we only need to take care of a wfm tool or the planning side and we're kind of isolated a lot and for a lot of decisions that are related to your telephony systems or the only channel platform and stuff like that and a lot of times queues are being merged queues are being separated and that information doesn't even come to us but ultimately it's what impacts the staff planning and how we plan the people so yeah, all of these things have to be put into perspective. Yeah, I, I think you did. You made a very good example. I, I I experienced some of those personally in the past. One that is very common is 
oh, we, for instance, now with more like social channels and chats, etc., it's always easy to create a new queue for something. And then like everyone forgets yeah. to map that queue, the work is not mapped. So we don't know, like, are we actually even calculating the, the capacity for certain types of work? So it's, it's actually a very interesting challenge that you mentioned. And that, and that help opens the door for me to ask you a question specifically about those unique challenges that we have as the platform professionals. Like in your view, what are some of the most common pain points that organizations face? And what would be your approach to some of those challenges? I would say one, and it is a standard. I'm not even sure that it is only related to planning, to be fair. I think a lot of companies are struggling with we have always done it this way approach. And often when I go to organizations, they have certain struggles, but they don't necessarily know where the struggle is coming from or why they're executing their tasks in a certain way. And once we start actually investigating, talking, why do you do that? Okay, do you have an idea where is it coming from? Is that a legacy kind of a process? And then when you start explaining actually all of the correlations of the process and you see that light bulb going off, that's what makes all the difference for me. And I actually have immediately what comes to mind is I was at the customer side and they just told me that they can't understand why their numbers don't make any sense. Their staffing just doesn't make any sense. So we started talking, okay, how do you do your forecast? Oh, we are taking the volumes, we're taking the average handling time, and then we're calculating the workload and we arrive to the staffing requirements. And then you go a layer deeper. Okay, where are you getting your volumes from? Where are you getting your AHT from? And actually by investigating and going into detail, we understood that they are absolutely disregarding the wrap-up time. So for them, wrap-up was actually a not ready reason code and they had such a chunk of time that's productive, but they never accounted for, you know, but only by going into that kind of granularity and so much deep into the subject, you can understand, okay, actually there is something that's potentially very basic, but it's missing in the picture. And the other thing maybe that I can add to this one is, again, I'm going to return back to planning being used for, um, administration and often not having um, seat at the table. I feel like a lot of organizations are trying to fix all sorts of issues from attrition to KPIs, but they mm -hmm. don't invest in understanding the importance of workforce management. It doesn't start with creating the planning, right? It starts from where we are, where do we want to go and how do we get there? Mm -hmm. So that's another very common mistake that I'm seeing and it's more on the educational side for maybe senior stakeholders to explain them, okay, if you continue this way, you're going to continue losing money. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. I, I like that you, you mentioned that losing money piece because one of the, I had a few guests that mentioned that. I personally use that as a reference as well. Mm -hmm. When we are not, I, I would call it aware of some of the problems or we, even if we are aware, we neglect and we don't, put the right pressure on trying to understand those granularities and those variables. We, we It's like we are leaking somewhere in the process and it's money thrown away because we don't understand it. And it's sometimes the solution is always, oh, we need more people. And you, yeah. you throw more money into the equation. So it's more money leaking somewhere else because you are not being able to look at the process end to end and more strategically. 
more than just executionally. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where I feel many of the WFM teams struggle is because they are they are very well present in the execution, but not very well present in the planning and the more strategic aspect of what WFM can be for the organization. I think that's what you, you were referring to as well. And it's super clear that that's how you can make an impact at a more executive level and a more like strategic organizational level is when you start playing a different role within the organization and, and also the organization welcomes you within that role. So it's like a mutual acceptance. WFM teams need to show the value. It's not no one will give you that to you unless you can prove that you can make that happen. So it's kind of like a a consequence more than just a, a given. I don't know what you think I, about I it. like so much that you're saying that because I was just about to react on that by saying the role of uh, planning as well is to question what is the current situation. And I actually just spoke to another company a couple of weeks ago and they had serious issues with the staffing and their structure was they were primarily driven by availability of the employees, but they were service level were very disbalanced. So we started looking at the data and we saw that for the last hour of operations, right, they are having around, for example, 10 people working, but only receiving one call on average, one call. And nothing else in terms of work. So I was like, okay, why why would you have such operations hours? What is driving those operations hours if you don't have the work to do so? Well, we've always been open from eight to eight, for example. Well, yes, (laughs) things things change, right? And if you're worried or if you're willing to save money, okay, it's very easy to save money by potentially try it for a limited amount of time to see how is that going to impact your customers. Mm -hmm. And those are maybe easy kind of subjects that can be questioned by your data and by your planning team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can even give you an, an example. Something very recent that happened. It's not traditional contact center, but it, to a certain extent, I think you will connect. So it's specifically to physical mm-hmm. stores. And uh, I was looking at a project where we were planning for the staff in the stores, like what times do they need to be in? And we were looking at the customer arrival patterns. And, and we, we, yeah. we realized that the majority of the customers arriving were booking. So the customers actually booked the time to be in store. And when we look mm-hmm. at, they were like, imagine like eight to eight, like you were describing. And some of like the edge hours, like the beginning of the the two first hours and the two last hours, I mean, was 100% bookings. So there was no need for you to have the actual, so much stuff in the store because like, what's the point? And we, we suggested that, what you were describing why not just shrink it or if you have bookings just move the bookings around because you i mean in the end yeah. of the day it's what makes sense and people like the first fight back was oh but we always did it this way it's like uh, okay but that's one thing is that stamp if you want to keep it it's okay but if you want to do it from a financial perspective it's probably not the best decision to make uh, or you can even optimize your own staff levels because if if you're if you're making appointments maybe you just need one person in store you don't need all the others that are just waiting for certain customers to arrive and it, it's interesting that it's still a I, w- I would call it common mistake uh where yeah. people don't review previous assumptions or they don't re reevaluate where they are because as you said things evolve no business stays the same forever regardless so you need to adapt it as well for depending on the niche you are in and the market you are in you need to adapt to whatever is coming 
I feel like you're going to get me started on the, the subject that I'm ranting about the most. And this is also service levels and processes and how I see them being set from the beginning mm -hmm. of establishing a company and never, ever, ever in the entire life of a company being revisited. And it is huge mistake because as you said the business evolves the customer expectations evolve so you cannot rely on current environment based on something that has happened 10 years ago you have to constantly revisit your targets your uh, service levels your processes and see how and where you can make those optimizations and i fully agree with you it's it's a common mistake and for us as planners it's not our job to make those decisions, but it's definitely our job to question and to bring these insights to the senior stakeholders. I agree. When you think about performance and efficiency and, and those metrics and what are the things that really matter to different stakeholders, achieving that balance, and we're speaking about the financials and operational, it's kind of, it's, it's a struggle. Like everyone struggles with that. It's like, I think it really depends on what you are keen on doing at a certain point in time, sometimes it's quality and you are okay spending more money, but other times mm -hmm. it's just finding the right balance financially. How, what, what is your take on guiding organizations to finding that equilibrium on the two fronts of like trying to maximize the resources in a way that it's financial as well as quality driven? Well, it's a very interesting one. I would say that it is definitely a very interesting and important conversation and the way that I work with customers is, as I mentioned before, I always start understanding where we are currently, where do we want to go and what are our restrictions. And after that, we start playing with the what if scenarios because there is a component that can play part and this is the cultural aspect. There are a lot of organizations who would like to achieve efficiency, but not on the expense of their agents or um, customer facing personnel. So you need to be able to investigate to see, okay, I can easily, for example, reduce the flexible scheduling, right? To get rid of uh, that flexibility that we're allowing the agents. But if this is a hardcore requirement for the company, then for sure, I know that this is not a scenario that I can apply, right? So it is always a conversation of what are our restrictions that we absolutely cannot deviate from and what can we do better? How can we achieve that kind of flexibility or that efficiency or that savings that we're aiming for? And do you think, this is actually probably a tough question. You have been working more as a, as a coach, as a mentor over time. I think in your career, it's very clear that that evolved to that point. Do you feel like people have that mentality, especially when I think about the bluff and professionals and all the, the resource planners that, that are out there, how aware are they on that equilibrium? Because sometimes I feel like we, we just focus on one side of the equation, like all maximizing cost, cost, cost and efficiency. And, and maybe we sometimes are blind to the other side. Like, No, I definitely will not disagree with you on this one. For me, it's a little bit of a more complex question because as I said, a lot of planners are thrown into a function and if the organization and be it operations manager, contact center managers, team leads do not understand the importance, it's natural that the planners are actually driven by what the senior stakeholders want to see. So it's kind of being passed down onto them. And this is the angle 
that we are perceiving. I had perceived that angle when I started um, being a planner. I was like, okay, we need to drive efficiency. I was disregarding employees and their wishes. It was only about achieving service levels. But in the long term, you're driving attrition, you're driving unhappiness, worse results, quality drops down, and so on and so on. So I, and you know what, it's a great question because right now it's the best time with the best tools, platforms, webinars, podcasts, um, networking events to kind of give that awareness to probably new planners, what are the important things in our area. And that's why I said I'm very proud of you guys because those are important questions and you're sharing that messages and a lot of people are listening to them and they're starting to question, oh, okay, can we do things in a different way? Or we never thought about that angle because we were never thought about it. So yeah, I don't disagree with you. It's something that happens, but I think right now it's the best possible moment how we can react to that challenge. So let me take a step on Writable FM. So you off, you currently are offering multiple services. Uh, it's, it's your own company. Uh, we, we spoke about coaching, mm-hmm. software implementation eventually. How, how walk, walk us through Writable FM now and how can you maximize business success? Um, good question. Thank you for bringing Writable FM to the front. At the moment... Right, WFM is me. So I'm the only full-time consultant that's working, but things are going to look a little bit different in the upcoming months. So I'm getting very excited about this one. But maybe, and this is where I'm going to readdress the question to you in a bit. The thing that helps me the most right now is that I have worked in all sides of the business. I have worked in BPOs, I have worked in in-house, I have worked on the vendor software side, I've been operational on all sides of the WFM cycle. So I can relate to the pain or the struggles of the customers. And I think the most important thing is when you go to organization and when you face the team and when they start telling you, okay, I'm having an issue, an issue with that and that and that, you have a story to tell and you can actually relate and explain them what is your journey, what have you seen, how can you tackle that, what to consider. And I I must admit, in my career, I have also been in a situation where consultants were brought to me, and it's always an irritation that I see and that I have seen for a lot of people, having consultants to support you, but that have not necessarily done the job. You know, so it's, it's kind of a nasty situation to it's, be it's in. It's not a good position to be in. I can, I, I if you don't mind to inter- for me to interrupt, like I had probably one of the worst experiences in my professional career because I, I actually paid for a training for some of the guys I had in my team. This is a few years back, so I'm not going to offend anyone. And we did a deal with the with company at the time that was providing training. And the team that I had, I had like five guys in the training and, and they were messaging me like, is this a joke? Like, are, are you? Is there a prank? Are you pranking us? Because like, the level of knowledge that was passed by was one not tailored, two not even accounted for the level where they were in, and, and three it was like mm-hmm. what you just described is someone that never did the job, and yeah. and that that is very tough when you are dealing with people with like at the time like five, four, six years of experience, and even if there are a few that are, are less, it's tough. So that's where where I think 
if you allow me to give my personal opinion, it makes totally a difference. Someone that knows and understands the struggles makes it's it's day to night when you are in a position that you have someone that can be a counterpart where you can share your pain and you know it, the person will understand and, and then guide you through that process. I think that's that's the sweet spot. Absolutely. And the same thing happened to me also when I'm working on the other side as a consultant, when you know there is a decision made. For whatever reason, maybe we need to introduce WFM software, maybe we need to do some kind of a upskilling or something else. And instantly when you're starting to talk with the WFM teams, they're most like having their guard up, right? And only when they see that you actually relate and you know where they're coming from, you see like how they're able to breathe easier. And I think it's happening more often than we think when... You know, and I'm definitely not saying that all of the consultants are never have done the job. There are brilliant consultants out there, absolutely outstanding professionals. But when you stumble upon someone who can potentially also teach you the wrong stuff, it can be so devastating for the business. So, Irina. let me take a, a step back in your in your career. So, you you worked for like I said, a variety of companies in the past. But I wanted to go back to, to one specifically, uh, because even when we met before, this is one that you, you kind of highlighted. Uh, so you had a role um, at IKEA uh, as Global WFM. Global mm-hmm. uh, from the lessons you had from that role, how does it look like to lead at a global level and at that large scale as an enterprise? And what did you experience on trying to shape WFM and what lessons did you take from from that journey? This is a great question. And let me start by saying that IKEA is absolutely amazing company, amazing brand. And it is difficult to have a global role because you have so many different stakeholders, so many countries, and you need to unify processes, unify approaches. But the reality is that Cultures are different, circumstances are different, markets are different. So you need to be very flexible in how you approach different circumstances, even when your ultimate goal is to bring, let's say, the same solution to all of them. And one of the biggest things that I have learned at IKEA, because they are a very people-centric organization, is that regardless of your size, whether we're talking about large, medium, or small organizations, ultimately, your business is people, right? Customers are people. Your employees are people. So if you want to grow your business, you have to focus on the people aspect. And, you know, I often talk a lot about technology and how we should absolutely be investing in technology. We can't rely on legacy ones that are making no sense and that are driving bad customer but also employee experience but before everything else there are the people so this is something that i have really really liked at ikea and i must advocate everyone should look at uh, their staff first and their customers as well how much do you think wfm is also more than a we were discussing that before like a a very isolated, sometimes very technical job, but at the end of the day, it's very human as well because we we are actually mm-hmm. interacting with people. I can't help you change your perspective on that or just intensifying your perspective. How did it impacted your practice uh, as a WFM professional? I'm 
not sure how much it impacted. For sure, it enhanced it, you know, but I have always been very pro people. I love people. I love working with people. And for me, planning is also about empathy, you know, and I often say that maybe the people aspect is much more important than your technical aspect, because if if your employees start sabotaging you, uh, they go to a burnout, the stress, le stress levels start through the roof, and you don't know how to manage that aspect, it literally does not matter how good you are uh, technically. So I would say it's much more um, important than the technical aspect in general. When you think now with uh, the role that not only the WFM tools have, but as well, like you have AI, you have different technologies br being brought in every time. Do you think that can re that could be a risk for that human aspect? So people get again focus on the tool, focus on the data, which which again is very important, but they disregard that in the, in the end of the day we are we are planning. We, it's resource planning for a reason. So we are actually working with people uh, in the other side of the spectrum. Do you think that could be a risk or? or or somehow to the new wave is of technology enhancements are mitigating that. Gap. I am not sure that I'm the right person because I'm a very big fan of AI and <laughs> I am embracing it. I think it's inevitable. It's very important. Mm -hmm. And just think about all the technology progress that we have done in the last 200 years and where would have we been if it wasn't for that. So I think it's absolutely inevitable that um, jobs will change. I don't think our job will get redundant. I think we'll focus more on the strategic part opposed to what we currently have, that manual copy-paste part and just do manual tweets and stuff that can be easily automatable. I think the natural and the organic progress would be that we're going to be involved in the decision-making and more in-depth analyzing of the data as you mentioned and and actually that can we had a very recent guest that spoke about automation and he gave the example that the human side will continue to be for instance with ai because there are now courses on you need to learn how to make prompts so you need to know what to ask so it goes back to the human aspect yeah. so if the humans don't know how to interact you don't get the right quality of the output so it's it's kind of okay. a chicken and the egg conversation as we get in cycles so let's so let me move back to 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 you and, and to your career so having worked with so many organizations advice would you give to people that are now starting their ground into the fm what advice would you give to the, to those professionals i would say that voice up your opinion if you feel strongly about a topic. Usually if you're having good and the right intentions, nothing bad will happen if you're speaking up. Network, ask for advice, sign up for those webinars, for networking events, listen to these podcasts, get in touch with that person who you would like to talk to and see how their career progressed and just get yourself exposed to more people that have been there, that have done that. So they can potentially teach you how you can be better, how you can grow faster, where to look for. So actively ask for advice. And final question, what do you wish that you have known earlier in your career? Um, many things, <laughs> I must admit, many things happened. It has been a roller coaster. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would just go back to the people aspect 
I wish I knew how important the people aspect is because in the beginning of my career, I, I was so focused on being the best in creating the best forecast, the best schedules, like the service level, the, the coverage. Like I was so heavily focused on everything technical that I completely disregarded for time, for some time, the people aspect. And ultimately for me, you can only become a good planner, a good WFMer if you understand that it is one whole thing. And that ultimately, as I mentioned, your business is people. I think it's very inspiring to for you to to finish in the in this note, Irina. Thank you so much for the time in joining us today. I hope for everyone listening that you got inspired and what a great piece of advice to to close. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Andre. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Irina.